BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits, and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by Alara. So many women struggle with PCOS and kind of suffer in silence, whether they are getting misdiagnosed with other things or they have been diagnosed with PCOS and not given any kind of follow-up treatment, which is so often the case. I know because I've been there and my guest has been there too. I'm talking to Rachel Blank and she is the CEO and founder of Alara. So Alara is a digital healthcare platform designed to help women treat and manage their PCOS and other chronic health conditions. With Alara, you will be paired with a care team specially trained in PCOS needs, including a medical provider, a registered dietitian. This is huge because lifestyle can be a huge part of treatment. And Alara helps by providing in-depth visits with your medical provider specializing in PCOS, visits with your registered dietitian, a personalized plan created for you by your care team, unlimited text check-ins, which is amazing, access to a private community of Alara members, advanced diagnostic testing, including metabolic and hormonal testing, and prescriptions as needed. And my guest, Rachel, designed this platform out of need, which is always how the best things are born, in my opinion. She was diagnosed with PCOS after years of struggling with unexplained health issues, which is so many women's experience. And since then, she'd seen multiple doctors and she read a ton of information. She tried different diets, but through it all, she continued to feel alone, discouraged and frustrated. And the more she talked to other women with PCOS, the more this seemed to be a common experience. And she finally decided that the status quo when it came to PCOS care needed to change. And that's why she built Alara. It's the level of compassionate, specialized care she wished she had years ago and basically the care that we all deserve. So we talk about all of this and more in today's episode. And I really think that what Rachel has built is so incredible. I think that this is the future of healthcare because if you deal with any kind of chronic condition, you know that it's just not realistic to be 
going into the doctor all the time. Oftentimes you have to see multiple different doctors and then you're kind of left to your own devices to try to manage things on your own. And I just think having a team, being able to do everything remotely and having the support behind you 24-7 is so incredible. Rachel has been a follower for a long time, so I loved getting to meet her and talk to her about this and also talk to her about what it's like being a woman in tech. She is so smart, and the platform that she's built is so amazing. You guys know I was all over that. My hormones have been crazy. So I am going to get on top of everything through Alara. And you can too. She was kind enough to give us a discount. So if you guys are interested, whether you have PCOS or you have another condition that you'd like to inquire about, definitely go check out their website. It's alarahealth.com, A-L-L-A-R-A health.com. And the code is Ariel at checkout for 25% off your first month. And we will link that in the show notes as well so that you guys can access it easily. And please enjoy Rachel Blank. All right. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Maybe you can just tell people who you are and what you do. And we were talking off mic that there's so many things that we want to talk about today, Mm. PCOS being one of them. And I know that you wanted to preface the conversation by saying you're not a doctor, but you do have personal experience with this. That's almost more relatable. I mean, I think it is more relatable for people who are listening who struggle with it as well to hear from other people who have gone through it. So we just wanted to add the disclaimer before we started. But yes, introduce yourself. Tell everybody what you're all about. Okay. Hi, I'm Rachel. I am the founder and CEO of Alara, which is a virtual care platform for women with PCOS. And to your point, I really started Alara just as a disgruntled patient. I was diagnosed with PCOS about 12 years ago. I was 20. I was actually struggling with a lot of unexplained stomach issues. And in the process of trying to like diagnose that medical mystery, I got an ultrasound and the ultrasound tech said, did you know that you have PCOS? And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that is. And I remember when I was first diagnosed, I felt like actually really scared and really alone. And like, will I ever be able to have kids? What does this mean? And what I found so frustrating was that even though I had this diagnosis for the past 10 plus years, I felt like I really had nowhere to go for solutions. I felt like there wasn't really, you know, a doctor I could go to for ongoing care needs. It seemed like everything was very responsive, which I think it's one of our big issues with medicine is that it tends to be very reactive. You know, do you want to have kids and you're having fertility issues? Great. Now we can treat you. But we don't think about, well, how do we think about your late 20s and prepping you for kids and being more preventative? And the other thing I found really frustrating was because I was doing all this self-research, I was going to all these internet sources that were telling me all of these different things. And frankly, it felt like You either could choose the route of, you know, you're taking medicine, you're doing birth control, you're going down that medical route, or you could go down the natural, you know, diet-based route. And I kind of felt like there's so much value in both. Why do I have to pick between the two? And so that was what was just constantly frustrating to me was, you know, I feel like the care I'm getting is not right. And I feel like there's no option. And I actually had gone to business school and then was working at a different digital health startup. So I had the tools to to start this. And I almost just had this aha moment a few years ago of, you know, if I want something better, I can actually build it. And so I really, frankly, built Alara for myself. And then the beauty is I can share that with the millions of other women in the world who are struggling with the same thing. So at the end of the day, I'm really just a patient and a woman who really cares about 
other women getting better care. Mm -hmm. I can relate so much to your experience between your diagnosis and then the frustration because I was just told once in like a routine checkup, like, oh, and by the way, you know, kind of in passing. And then the recommendation, of course, was to go back on birth control after I'd gotten off of it. And, you know, I think everyone do what's best for you and, and all of that that goes without saying. But it felt like I didn't really understand it either and what that meant for me and like what even is it and how how is birth control going to help? And then there are all these other issues and symptoms mm-hmm. that come along with it. And I'm I'm glad to hear you say like that we can do both because then having this podcast, I've had you know, traditional Western medicine doctors mm-hmm. on the show who have one perspective. And then I've had the other end of the spectrum on who are all about treating it naturally. And that's a totally different perspective. And it seems like there should be room for all of it, especially because when it comes to management of it, like there are so many different things that work. So when you were first diagnosed, like what was the recommendation if you're willing to share for you? Yeah, and I'm, by the way, an open book, like anybody I meet, I'm like, oh, this is what I'm working on. And then we end up in this long conversation about <laughs> our like period histories. So I'm all good. But yeah, I think it was very similar to to your experience. It was kind of very quick and it was like, okay, we'll go on birth control. And by the way, I've, I've been on birth control for 12 years. I love mm-hmm. it. Birth control actually has a lot of protective effects when it comes to preventing cervical cancer and potentially even ovarian cancer. But I think the problem is a lot of times the doctor that you're seeing in traditional setting doesn't really have time to go through this the conversation that you really deserve to have, right? A doctor, and my dad's a gynecologist, so I know <laughs> the ins and out of that business really well. They're mm-hmm. seeing five, six patients an hour, and they're really meant to do primary care needs. What they really are not set up to do well is specialty care needs. So you have a complex chronic condition like PCOS, which has so many different aspects of care needs. It's just not enough time in a 15-minute visit to go over all of that. And again, that was something that was really important to me with Alara was giving women the space to have those longer conversations with their doctors because there are so many different aspects that you need to be thinking about that, again, when I was 20, you know, nobody told me about the risk of diabetes. Nobody told me about diet. Nobody told me about the risk of high cholesterol. They just said, you know, okay, do this until you want to get pregnant and then come back to us, which I didn't so even ridiculous. know that. I mean, I knew the diabetes, but I didn't know the risk of high cholesterol. Yeah. So women with PCOS are are at severely increased risk of a lot of cardiometabolic issues. So about half of women with PCOS will develop type 2 diabetes by the time they're 40. A lot of them have high cholesterol, high risk of heart disease. For example, even though I'm very lean, I actually have high cholesterol. So these are all things we don't think about. I think a lot of times we think about it as well, very binary, like either you're overweight and you have these issues or you're not. But actually, if you have PCOS, you can be totally normal weight and Mm -hmm. still need to worry about diabetes risk, about, you know, cardiometabolic health risk. And again, I think these things are just so missing from the conversation because we just think about women's health as fertility care. And it's really not what Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. And I've heard you say that you would go to see other doctors because you were trying to learn how to manage it and treat it. And they would say, well, you don't look like you have PCOS. Let's test you again. And you're going through the whole battery. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's my experience, too, because I you know, similarly, I'm leaner and I don't have like hersetism, acne. Well, I got acne this summer. (laughs) We were just talking about our skincare routines. But yeah, and I think that that is something that a lot of people can probably relate to, whether they have PCOS or not. And that's looking a certain way and kind of getting written off Mm -hmm. as a result of that in the medical field. And my dad is a doctor too. I love 
doctors. Like it's nothing, you know, against it's such like a generalization to say, well, that's how the the medical community is because it isn't. But I think that there is something to be said for not looking sick. Like you don't mm-hmm. look like you have anything wrong with you. So what are some of the common symptoms though, if anybody is listening and they're like, well, I don't, how do you know if you have PCOS and how do you ultimately get that diagnosis? Because again, I've had people say, well, if you have the ultrasound and you have cysts on your ovaries, you have PCOS. And then others say, no, you can have cystic ovaries, but you can have the imbalance in hormones and excess androgens. And then, you know, you have PCOS. So which is it? (laughs) Yeah. So generally PCOS is diagnosed by the Rotterdam criteria. So the idea is that you need to meet two of the three Rotterdam criteria to be diagnosed with PCOS. So those are evidence of high androgens. So that can either be seen in your blood work or can be seen, for example, with symptoms like hirsutism or excess hair, acne, things that go along with, if you think about like male hormones. The second is irregular periods. So if you're having irregular menstrual cycles, either too long or too short, although often with PCOS, it's you're going long periods between your cycles because you're not ovulating regularly. And that's the second criteria. And then the third is presence of cysts on the ovaries, which we would check with ultrasound. So it's by meeting two of the three. So to the example that you gave, if you had cysts in your ovaries, but you didn't have high androgens and you didn't have regular periods, we probably wouldn't say that you had PCOS. And so really what you need is a doctor who will run, A, run those tests for you. So run the right blood work, give get you in for an ultrasound if you need it, and then also have that sit-down conversation with you to say, hey, you know, what's your medical history? What else could be going on? Because they should be ruling out things like thyroid disease, like Cushing's disease. PCOS is to some degree a disease of exclusion. And so it really is important to have that, again, that extended conversation with the doctor to really see what's going on. But I really encourage any woman, like, if you feel like something is off in your body, it's probably off. There is like nothing like a woman's gut intuition. And we know our bodies better, I think, than anybody. We're just often, I think, either to your point, dismissed or scared to speak up or we think, oh, it's just normal. I should just deal with it. But if you're experiencing, you know, painful periods, irregular bleeding, even changes, like any changes that you're seeing in your body, I think you really should go to the doctor and ask the questions. And if they won't look into it for you, that's not the right doctor for you. And so again, PCOS specifically, it could be regular periods, acne, excess facial hair, feeling like it's hard for you to lose weight, fatigue and anxiety tend to go along with PCOS as well. But I really would just encourage anybody, if you have any questions, like, you know, your body, something is probably wrong if you think it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So in those 10 years since your diagnosis, you said that you were kind of like running into walls and not getting answers. Was there ultimately anybody who sat down with you and said, yes, that you do have PCOS? These are some lifestyle things that you can do to reduce your risk for diabetes and high cholesterol. And this is what you can do to support your body. You know, if you want to have kids down the line, like, did you finally have that conversation with the doctor? And then you were like, okay, I need to make this platform where other women can get this kind of help or did you not? And you were like, okay, I need to make the platform. (laughs) Yeah, it was the latter. So my aha moment was on Reddit. Actually, I've been to so many doctors. I've been re-diagnosed with PCOS probably three times. And I just never had anybody who would have those conversations with me. And so I remember it was during COVID. I was literally sitting on Reddit trying to see, like, what are different things I should be trying. And it was just this aha moment for me of this is ridiculous that in at the time it was 2020, I'm a Harvard-educated woman who has access to great doctors who is using Reddit as her source of medical <laughs> information. And so that really, for me, was the impetus to start Alara because— 
I just felt like we deserved so much better than we were getting. And I think the thing that's been really encouraging to me is that there are a lot of doctors out there who want to have those conversations, who are empathetic, who are knowledgeable. They just don't have time in the traditional practice setting to have those. And so if we give them a different avenue via telehealth, via longer conversations, we actually can have doctors give the care that they want to give and have patients get the care. It really was more like the format in which they were practicing than the doctors themselves that I found. Mm -hmm. So did you find or have you found that COVID has kind of changed the landscape in that way? Because, I mean, prior to COVID, I don't know how common telehealth even was, but it seems like it's kind of infiltrated everything from how people work to how people communicate to how people go see their doctor. I mean, I know for me, like, I barely go to my doctor ever, ever anymore. They're like, oh, do you want to have a phone or a Zoom or do you want to come in? And I mean, was it just kind of a timing thing or or did you realize like, oh, wait, we can do all of this kind of digitally? Yeah, COVID was huge for healthcare. I think it probably was one of the single most transformative things that's happened to healthcare, obviously in some ways for bad, but in a lot of ways for good in terms of getting patients access to better care. I was actually in digital health for two years before COVID. And we saw pretty much overnight just this massive acceptance of telehealth because doctors really had no choice and patients had no choice. And I think people realized when they started doing it, like, oh, you don't have to go in person for a lot of this. And not only do you not have to go in person, but focusing on just the conversation and just having that avenue to talk with your doctor can be so valuable. And, you know, on top of that, it's been so helpful for patient access. Think about patients who are in more rural areas or who would have to drive four hours to see an endocrinologist, right? For them, it can be life-changing to be able to see a doctor online. And so COVID, I'd say accelerating, accelerated digital health probably by five to 10 years. And for me, is like, a tech digital health nerd, that was incredibly exciting. Mm -hmm. So talk about what exactly Alara is and the different kinds of medical care that people can get when they sign up for the app. Yeah. So Alara is a specialty care platform for women with PCOS or really women with any chronic hormonal conditions. We're at the point now where we're treating women with with all different types of issues. But really the vision behind Alara is to be a collaborative care platform for patients. So As I mentioned, one of the most frustrating things to me was feeling like I couldn't get all the care I needed in one place and like I couldn't bring together Western medicine and nutrition and, and diet changes. So for us, it was really important that patients have access to a collaborative care team that can look at their care from all angles. And so a patient on Alara is paired with either an OBGYN, an endocrinologist, or a nurse practitioner. That doctor is able to look at a lot of biomarkers if needed with PCOS. We'll send patients in for extensive lab work, manage medications. And then they're also paired with a registered dietitian who manages lifestyle, nutrition, diet changes. And so the idea is we, number one, want to get to the root cause of what's going on with you. Yes, you have PCOS, but what else is going on? Do you have insulin resistance? Do you have vitamin deficiencies? And we're testing for all of that with our blood work. And we also want to be a place where you can get ongoing supported care right? So many times you're going to the doctor once and that's it. Our patients get to meet with their doctors, you know, every month or two via video if they need, and they can text with their dietitian anytime they need. So it's really a collaborative, holistic care model that allows patients to manage a chronic condition on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. Had you had any of those kinds of help? Like, did you have a nutritionist? Did you have, I know that you weren't really getting answers from a doctor, Mm -hmm. but did you kind of like 
make your own team of healthcare professionals to help you kind of manage. And then you drew from that for Alara. I wish I had talked to a nutritionist earlier, Uh actually, because I was the person who read online that you shouldn't eat gluten and you shouldn't eat dairy (laughs) and you shouldn't do HIIT workouts. Uh And I listened to all of that. And I didn't have a banana for two years because I was terrified (laughs) of the carbs and a banana. And I basically made myself miserable for no reason. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to have a conversation with one of our nutritionists and actually talk about the science behind all the food and talk about, you know, okay, yes, maybe having a banana on its own isn't great. But if you pair it with protein or pair it with peanut butter, that's going to stabilize your blood sugar response. Or, you know, yes, you probably shouldn't be eating white bread, but having like nutrient dense whole grade bread is important because that has fiber. And here's why fiber is important in PCOS. And so I think one thing that I ran into and, and I totally get why it happens, right? Like there are so few resources for you that you just kind of read something and you want to jump and try it. And I think it's great to try all those things, but there are so many things that just work in different people's bodies. Some people are, are gluten intolerant mm-hmm. and they, you know, don't respond well to gluten, but a lot of people aren't and they should be eating more fiber. And so I think it's really about how do you have a conversation with somebody where you can figure out what works for your body and not just take one size fits all mm-hmm. approaches. And also, again, like having that conversation with the nutritionist and and just hearing the science behind things it was like mind blowing. I was like, oh, okay. I don't have to be scared of bananas anymore now that I've heard some facts about it. <laughs> We're laughing, but like I'm laughing because I relate and it's so hard, I think, because there is so much information, mm-hmm. so much conflicting information out there. And oftentimes like the loudest voices are the ones who kind of break through, not necessarily the people who have the expertise or the credentials to back that up. And, you know, I'm sure everybody listening can relate to this on some level as well. Like, I mean, you know, my story, like I went through all of those phases too. I mean, I started this whole thing doing like BBG and counting macros Mm -hmm. and super restrictive eating because of, you know, information largely that I was just getting online. And it's interesting. I think like the way social media and the internet is now, like people just have to learn how to be more critical thinkers Mm -hmm. because like we're going to get everybody's opinions. We're going to get inundated with that every day. Do you have any advice for like how people can kind of sift through that noise? Yeah, I'd say a few things. One, I think it's just really important to And it's totally fine to test things like test going gluten free, test Mm -hmm. birth control and going off birth control as long as you're testing in a safe way. But I think it's really important to see how your body responds and see what works for your body. So few things in life, especially in medicine, are one size fits all. And I think, you know, Instagram, you have to get out like (laughs) a snapshot of something and it's hard to have nuance. So I would say test things, but see how your body responds. Also see like what scientific information there is to back things up. Even in the nutrition world, there is a lot of scientific data and research that goes behind a lot of recommendations. So if somebody's saying something like dig a little deeper, are there any research studies or papers that support that? Or is it just, you know, somebody saying that? So I think seeing like what kind of facts are behind things. And I actually direct a lot of people to your podcast with Harley Pasternak because I thought that was so (laughs) great. And it's so simple. It's like use common sense to some degree, like so much in diet, nutrition workouts. I think we try to make it so difficult and so complex and like do this or don't do this. And what's the perfect diet? But at the end of the day, if you're like eating less processed foods, walking more, moving your body, like from a common sense perspective, that all Mm -hmm. probably will work. So just I'd say use more common sense. Yeah. I was actually thinking of him like in my head. It's funny that you said that. And I kind of 
I pick and choose as well. Like I do have another nutritionist who's more like, don't eat gluten, don't eat this, that, and the Mm -hmm. other thing. Actually, he said that I could have gluten, but he was very like specific when I was trying to treat Mm -hmm. gut issues. And that worked for me at that time. But then like a more, you know, a looser approach and a more common sense approach, like that works at other times. And I think it's important to remember too, that like we're constantly evolving. And, you know, even with, my period and hormones like there are times of the month when like I can do certain things that I can't do at another time in the month and that goes for like what I eat and what you know my digestion and everything I'm actually curious if your stomach issues got better <laughs> after you got diagnosed with PCOS like was that related at all so there Not are to go some off on a tangent thoughts, but <laughs> yeah there are some thoughts that PCOS and IBS are interrelated I don't know if the PCOS treatment helped, but I will say just like stress management Mm -hmm. is huge for both of those. I walk a ton now. I live in New York. So that's like my favorite thing about living in a city is walking all the time. I find stress management really helps with with actually both the PCOS and the stomach issues. This is a total tangent. It actually ended up being like a parasite I picked up when I was traveling in Europe. But it was very interesting, like medical mystery that we solved. (laughs) But yeah, I find, frankly, just like stress reduction. And by the way, that's something else when you think about all these diets you're trying and all this, like trying to stick to something so strictly is in and of itself stressful. Mm -hmm. And so think about that trade off of if you're trying to be so perfect all the time, like what are you doing to your body in terms of stress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I had that experience where like when I finally let go of all the like tracking macros, calories, super restrictive eating. Like when I let go of all of that, I thought I was going to have like stomach issues and all of these things and everything just kind of normalized. And I think a lot of that was this internal narrative that I had around things. And we've talked about this on the podcast too, but like the the fear of the food oftentimes mm-hmm. might cause more of a reaction than the actual food would itself because it's like that you know, when, when eating is a stressful thing, like your body can't digest it properly. So. Yeah. It's so true. And then you have all these issues with like binge eating where it's so off limits (laughs) that then you go crazy when you can have it, which I've totally been there. So I think it's important to think about, yeah, to exactly your point, like how does it fit into your life? Mm -hmm. So stress management, what else helped with the management of your own symptoms and your PCOS? Yeah. So I think for me, one of the biggest things is just movement. I love like working out, walking. I find it so helpful to me with stress. So every morning I either do a workout or I go for a long walk in the city. And then at night after work, I kind of do the opposite. I either go for a walk or do a workout. And actually strength training has helped a lot too. Mm -hmm. I was very scared of strength training, like a lot of women, but it did not make me super bulky. I found it actually has been really helpful. Also having just a less processed diet, I think has been really good. So focusing less on like does it have gluten or dairy and more? Is it processed? Is it a whole food source? And getting getting things in that are balanced meals. So making sure at my meal I'm having, you know, protein, fats, and carbs and putting that all together. So maybe I don't have just an apple. Maybe I have an apple with peanut butter. Or if I'm having a salad, I want to make sure it has like nuts and oils and a protein. And so not being so afraid of the calories that come with oils, but really thinking about like, all right, forget calories. How do I really think about a satiating balanced meal has been really helpful to me. Mm -hmm. And is that kind of the protocol for women with PCOS? Because I know that a lot of women do struggle with their weight and that is one of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. But I mean, obviously it's different for every person, but is the kind of nutritional advice to like focus more on macro and micronutrients versus calories or does it just depend? 
I'd say partially depends on each person, mm-hmm. but what our nutritionists would say is they really do not encourage calorie counting mm-hmm. or dieting. They they feel it's really about they think about building habits that you can do for the long haul that will help you have a healthy life. And a lot of that is around having what we call like the healthy, balanced PCOS plate. So that is about thinking, how do I balance carbs, proteins, fats to balance my blood sugar? For so many women with PCOS, we have insulin resistance. And a lot of it is linked to keeping like steady blood sugar has such an impact on that. So Mm -hmm. if you can have something that's going to sit in your stomach and not spike your blood sugar, but really just kind of sit there and keep you satiated and digest over a period, that can be a lot better for insulin resistance. The other thing is for a lot of women, sometimes diet and exercise are not enough. And I think that's something that gets missed too. So many women feel so frustrated with themselves because they're like, I, you know, I try all these things. I try so hard and I just can't lose weight. And that is valid. There are some women who need extra help to either balance their hormones or they should look into a drug like metformin or supplements Mm -hmm. to help manage their insulin levels. But sometimes you need that extra help on the hormone side as well. So it's about balanced diet, but also looking at, you know, what is going on on a biological level that we need to help you supplement or fix. Mm -hmm. I was saying that I was like struggling with breakouts this summer and my period got crazy again. And I'm just sitting here going, well, it was probably because I wasn't eating till two. And then I was having my smoothie and my blood sugar (laughs) spiking. And then I'm like having a protein, you know, and it's just like this blood sugar roller coaster and being somebody who does have that imbalance. And I'm sure that that was part of it. People love intermittent fasting, but it's not great (laughs) for women, especially with women with PCOS. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Again, I'm I'm not a doctor, but I know, again, this goes back to like things that are trendy that don't necessarily work for everybody. With PCOS, managing your blood sugar is really important. And you also don't want to spike. I don't believe so much in like the cortisol stuff. I, Mm -hmm. I believe in it to a degree, but fasting does increase stress on your body. It increases those stress hormones and it can spike your blood sugar when you do eat again. So Mm -hmm. though it is good to say like, don't eat after dinner and maybe wake up and have a healthy breakfast. So you fasted for 10 hours overnight or like 10 or 12 hours. That's great. Mm -hmm. But fasting until two Mm -hmm. and then eating whatever you want and having a lot of carbs like that can just make your blood sugar go haywire. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about stress management being a female founder. Mm -hmm. What has this experience been like for you? I'm laughing because I'm not good (laughs) at that. I mean, it is, first of all, I think starting anything is stressful. You have to be a little crazy to Mm -hmm. think like, yeah, I have this better idea that just nobody else sees. And so I'm going to build it and do it. So, and especially being a female founder, less than 2% of venture capital funding goes to female founders. So it definitely is stressful. I would say, number one, what drives me is the mission of what I'm doing and connecting with my patients. I send out an email to every single woman who joins to see how things are going. And just like nothing drives me more than hearing back from patients and hearing the kinds of changes that we're helping them make. And yeah, I'm I'm terrible at stress management day to day, to be totally honest. But I do think that walking is the biggest thing for me. Like there's pretty much nothing walking can't fix. Walking outside, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I'll go for a walk. I'm not feeling well. I'll go for a walk. I'm stressed. I'll go for a walk. Like I think walking has been huge for me. So what was the experience like getting capital? Like how, how did you start? I'm assuming that you had a business plan, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. you have the business school background, so you were probably able to put something together and kind of know the path that you wanted to take. But what was the actual experience like? Yeah. So I was lucky in that I had gone to business school and then was working at a successful startup. So mm-hmm. I had connections to the venture capital space through that. But 
I think no matter how well connected you are, fundraising is a brutal <laughs> process. So first I validated the idea. I put together a business plan and found an investor who I happened to have built a relationship with already who was willing to kind of take a chance and put a little bit of money in. And then I used that to validate the idea. So I literally put up a post on Craigslist and offered to pay women with PCOS to talk to me. And I just interviewed them. You know, what were they doing? How are they managing it? What did they want? I did so much customer research. And then I actually started building things out before I had an offering. So I had like a landing page that I would advertise. I saw how many people wanted to go to that. I spent a lot of time really validating that this was something that other people wanted and not just something that I wanted. And then with that validation, I was able to go out and raise more money and raise a seed round. So I'd say it definitely was a little difficult doing a women's health business, talking to mostly male VCs about <laughs> like a regular periods. <laughs> Luckily, I found some who are incredibly supportive. And actually, most of my cap table is men, believe it or not. So I'd say that's actually my two biggest pieces of advice to any founders or aspiring founders are validate as much as you can of your idea. Like there are so many low cost ways to test and see if people like it, whether it's asking friends, putting up a Facebook ad, making an Instagram account. Like you don't have to spend a lot of money to validate things and it will get you so much farther in the fundraising process. And then also just know you're going to have to knock on a lot of doors, have a lot of conversations and it, like just don't be afraid to ask because you know you're going to hear no a lot, but eventually you're going to hear a yes. And so just keep like going at it and having the conversation. Mm -hmm. What were some of the more unexpected challenges that you ran into? Like, because I'm sure again, with your mm -hmm. business school background and your experience at the other startup, like you probably knew kind of what to expect. But was there anything that you were like, whoa, like I just had no idea that it was going to be like this? Yeah. I mean, I will say I because I'm so steeped in it. I was like, oh, this is such a big problem. PCOS <laughs> affects, you know, between one in 10 and one in five women. This is such a big market. This makes so much sense. And I was shocked at how much I had to explain women's health, what these conditions were, like basic health care about women. I think I wasn't prepared for how much a lot of people didn't know who didn't have the condition, even women, right? Even women mm -hmm. who didn't have this condition, I think, didn't understand how big it is, how impactful it is, how many women it affects. And so I think one was just the amount of education I had to do around the fact that a lot of people suffer with these types of conditions. And I also, I guess I just, I didn't realize how like emotionally tough it was going to be. Like at the end of the day, this is my baby. I feel so passionate about it. And I found myself getting really personally affected by the fundraising, mm -hmm. which was very different having been so steeped in the business world for so long, but being able to be a little removed from it personally was very like emotional process. Mm -hmm. I found. And when it's an issue that you have yourself, mm -hmm. I'm sure that it's just like so layered, like yes. all of it. Why do you think, think, I mean, if one in 10 women suffers from PCOS, why do you think it is still not so widely understood or known about even among women? Mm -hmm. I mean, one big reason is we just don't devote a lot of research to it. Mm -hmm. um, we don't devote a lot of research to women's health in general. Women weren't required to be in medical studies until like 20 or 30 years ago. And if you look at the funding rates for things like endometriosis, PCOS, it's in like the tens of millions. It's very, very low compared to other diseases. So partially, we just don't have a lot of good research. And we don't have a lot of awareness around it. I think also it was very stigmatized up until even a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I felt like, you know, I don't want to tell anybody that I have this because mm -hmm. I felt 
I felt ashamed almost. I felt like this said something about myself as a woman. It said something about my fertility. I almost wanted to keep it a secret and not have people know. And I think a lot of women felt like that for a mm-hmm. long time. I think as women, if you know we're not fertile and we're not <laughs> this traditional concept of womanhood, it can be feel very isolating and shameful. And I think, thankfully, we've had a lot more, you know, celebrities speak out about it. In the past few years, we've had people like yourself speak out about their personal experiences. And I think it's really been this shift, even over just the past five years, of people starting to have the conversations about it and destigmatizing it. And I think it's just so important as women to start sharing our experiences, whether it's on a public platform or just with each other, because so many of us are going through things that we don't talk about, that we don't realize other people are going through, too. So if I can encourage women to do anything it's whether it's with your doctor or your friends whoever it is like share what you're going through because you're probably a lot less alone than you think mm-hmm. I remember when I was diagnosed with it and even to this day I still kind of get a response from other people like mm-hmm. oh what's that like from other women yeah. like from family members <laughs> from friends and they're like huh like how did you get that and there's there is this kind of shame associated with because I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know how this happened, you know? And yeah, I think I never thought about it like that. But I think being fertile is, you know, ingrained in us is like, that's our purpose. And when that is compromised, it's like, I don't know, it's just something primal is like yeah. threatened or something like that. Yeah. I don't even want kids. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, isn't that so crazy? You yeah. have doctors saying like, the only reason we treat this is to have kids. But what if you don't want kids? Yeah. <laughs> like women's health care is a little myopic in that way. Yeah. Yeah. What does your dad think of all of this? I'm curious. <laughs> he loves it. I think he's he so does. proud. Because, you know, again, I think there is this conception that doctors don't care or that doctors, yeah. you know, don't want to treat you or they're just going to slap a Band-Aid on you and call it a day. And I just really haven't found that to be the case. I found most doctors to really care about these problems, including my dad. They just again, don't really have an avenue to help these patients in their Mm -hmm. current practice setting. So he loves what we're doing. He's like, so many patients need this. It's just so exciting that, you know, technology is finally catching up and giving doctors and patients more tools to get the help they need. Mm -hmm. I bet he tells every patient, right, that has PCOS. (laughs) Yeah, we actually were at a conference for doctors this weekend, and he was like going up to all the doctors (laughs) talking about Alara. So (laughs) it's been very nice working with him on it. So you said that Alara is not only for PCOS, it's for women's chronic health conditions. Mm-hmm. How how is that like how does that translate to other conditions? Is yeah. it just because it looks at it from all these different angles and supports women on like this kind of holistic level where they are getting, you know, maybe a doctor, a nurse practitioner, endocrinologist. I mean, that's a doctor, but and then they're also getting nutrition and, and the lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. So I started the business very much as a PCOS business. Mm -hmm. But what was so interesting is we would have all these women coming in and saying, you know, I don't have PCOS, I have thyroid, or I don't have PCOS, I have endo, but I don't see anything else out there where I can get this holistic care model of the diet changes, the extensive lab testing, the doctor, the ongoing care. Like, can I just use the platform? And the other thing we did is we know women with PCOS are very underdiagnosed. And so we actually have an offering for patients where we can diagnose you with PCOS But the patients who weren't getting diagnosed with PCOS were like, but I want to keep working with the doctor. I loved her. So it really was just in response to hearing from other women that they wanted access to that same care. But if you think about it, any of these chronic conditions, whether it's endometriosis, uterine fibroids, even perimenopause and menopause, really benefit from this collaborative care model of medicine, of deep, you know, root cause medicine, plus nutrition and lifestyle changes. And what we're telling you 
to do might be different for each of those conditions, but that model is actually incredibly beneficial to each of those patients. And so what we're now building is instead of just treating patients with PCOS, we're really opening it up for all women with either chronic care needs or women who feel like their hormones are off, feel like something's off, and they just want somebody who will run the right tests and help them figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think it's an incredible model because whatever you're dealing with, like it's hard to go to one person who tells Mm -hmm. you to do one thing and then you have to go to the other thing to do. Like even when I was dealing with like crazy gut issues years ago and I had like the hormone issues, like my period just went offline and I was seeing the one guy and he said, well, you have to treat your gut because if that's like in dysbiosis, like the rest of it isn't good. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to do the gut here. And then I'm going to go see someone else for the hormones here. And then I have this issue Mm -hmm. here. And it's like, it gets not only very expensive (laughs) and a lot of people, like you were saying, don't have the resources. They don't, maybe they live somewhere where they don't have all of those specialists in one area, but it's hard to try to manage all of those moving pieces on your own. Right. And at the end of the day, it's all connected. Like, yeah what we're doing for your gut is probably going to influence your Mm -hmm. hormones and vice versa. So if you're trying to piece a lot together yourself when you haven't got to medical school, it's Mm -hmm. impossible. (laughs) True. Well, I think it's incredible. Tell everybody where they can find Alara and find more information, sign up, all of that. Great. So you can find us at Alara Health. We are at Alara Health, so A-L-L-A-R-A, on Instagram and on TikTok. You can find us at alarahealth.com. And as a thank you, to all of Ariel's listeners, we have a special promo code. So you can go to alarahealth.com slash Ariel, use code Ariel at checkout, and you'll get 25% off your first month or 25% off your diagnostic. And I'm also always happy to chat with anybody who's going through it. So feel free to reach out to me directly. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. This episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.